You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, brought to you by Xmark Manufacturing. 30 years of pioneering spirit and innovation have resulted in legendary durability, all-day comfort, and unmatched cut quality. Go check them out at xmark.com and Crest Commercial. Introducing the 8-Minute Cyber System, the industry's first truly game-changing innovation in commercial battery-powered OPE. Professional landscapers can now replace their gas powered equipment without sacrificing performance, power, or runtime. For more information or to find a Crest dealer near you, visit Crest.com. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 435, entitled, Let There Be Lights. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, and of course, for the questions, comments, and feedback that you guys are always sending through. I really do appreciate that. I've gotten some uh, really nice uh, notes from uh, some of you guys uh, this past week. So again, I really do appreciate that and uh, for you guys uh, continued support and listening and uh, watching the videos and all that sort of stuff. I uh, truly hope that, uh, you know, going on eight years now of uh, creating content for you guys, that it continues to uh provide value for you guys, that it continues to make a difference in your businesses and in your lives. Uh, and uh, that is always obviously uh, the end goal here uh, on the podcast and on the uh, the videos and Instagram and all that sort of stuff is uh, to sort of share those true life experiences that I've had in uh, building my own lawn care business, in uh, providing a uh, stable income for myself, and for the family uh, to be able to, uh, you know, uh, pay all my bills, uh, make a profit, put money aside uh, for savings and for investments and all that sort of stuff, uh, and to be able to uh, truly escape that nine to five and, uh, you know, basically uh, fulfill that promise that I made to myself that I would never, ever uh, work for another person again in uh, my life in terms of having a boss that I had to answer to. Uh, so uh, hopefully... Uh, you guys uh, are uh, uh, enjoying the podcast and the videos and all that sort of stuff. And this week, uh, we're going to be uh, diving into another uh, seasonal and timely uh, topic, and that is uh, the Christmas lights and uh, Christmas light installations. It's a great um supplemental uh, income as you're coming off of, uh, say, lawn care, lawn mowing, things are starting to wrap up. You might have some end things and we'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, it's a great way to uh, kind of transition the season and kind of extend that season, especially if you're kind of in, uh, well, for some of you guys, if you do have snow removal and stuff like that, then there might be sort of a, a little lull in between those uh, types of uh, services, and uh, Christmas lights uh, can kind of fill that uh, area. Uh, and for some of you guys that don't do snow removal, then Christmas lights might be that final uh, hurrah before uh, you're able to take a little bit of uh, a break, or a little bit of some time off. 
So this past week uh, for me, before we get into the Christmas lights, uh, basically just wrapping up, we've had a ton of rain again and a huge uh, storm cleanup. Uh, as I mentioned, wrapping up uh, the past week uh, with uh, aerations and getting all of that done, I was able to button up all of those, get all of the sort of like winter services on top uh, in terms of the lawns and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I think I was mentioning last week that it was looking like uh, uh, I was actually quite surprised that lawns were growing quite crazily. And uh, that frost uh, spell that we had for like five days of like frost every morning, uh, hasn't returned. It's been pretty mild and, and rainy, um, the past week. And, uh, we had a, a pretty large windstorm, which brought a whole bulk of leaves down. So, uh, this past week, when I got sort of towards the end of my aerations, there was actually a couple lawns that I showed up to, uh, to do aerations and I had to skip them because, uh, you know, I'm putting down, uh, the lime and all that sort of stuff, the winter fertilizer, all that down. And I was like, well, I can't do that because the lawns are completely covered in leaves. So I'm going to have to come back uh, to be able to do a leaf cleanup first. And then uh, you'll have the aeration and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I pushed them to the end of the week and got... Uh, all of uh, the regular ones done that I was able to uh, just go out and be able to put lime and, uh, you know, whatever um, products down that I needed to put before I aerated, got all those down. And then I kind of circled back at the end of the week on the Friday and stuff and just uh, kind of finished off the ones that uh, uh, I needed at the very end to be able to do a leaf cleanup first and then uh, be able to uh, put uh, you know, those products down before I aerated. So I got all that buttoned up, all that's done for me. Uh, but, uh, Interestingly enough, I'm going to have to keep mowing uh, this uh, coming week here. Uh, it's well for the ones obviously uh, leaves. Uh, I'm going to have to start tackling because all last week uh, during those aerations and stuff, I wasn't doing any mowing. So I'm going to have to tackle uh, some mowing for everybody. Probably for the majority of uh, lawns, I will be doing one last mow this following uh, this week here. And then uh, after that, it's probably, I'm guessing, uh, going to be it. But who knows? You know, it's been pretty mild uh, today. Actually, uh, it's the weekend uh, and uh, I have uh, was uh, putting Christmas lights up on my own house and it was, uh, like I said, really nice and mild and sunny, a beautiful sunny day, and uh, was able to uh, get my own Christmas lights up uh, and looking at my own lawn going, yep, yeah, I'm going to have to you know, give my own lawn a, a cut as well uh, this coming week. And then we'll see, play it by ear in terms of the lawn mowing. Uh, but uh, yeah, we just, uh, you know, once those temperatures drop again uh, and get sort of that consistent frost, then, um, you know, that should wrap it up. Uh, but for the time being, it's looking like, um, you know, the mowing season uh, is extending, uh, at least for now. So uh, could be uh, sort of uh, balancing out uh, that summer drought where, uh, you know, things were so uh, dry and sparse and there was like barely any mowing. And I was kind of, you know, I've got that every two week rule, but there was ones I was just, um, you know, even letting that go farther to like once a month and stuff with some of them. And uh, so definitely uh, being able to make up that income that was lost in the, the summer months here on the tail end uh, is always nice uh, going into uh, sort of the winter off season. 
uh, and building up a nice, you know, nest egg uh, to have uh, and carry through for all the bills and all that sort of stuff and not have to worry uh, about any of that is always nice. So, uh, yeah, this uh, past uh, weekend as well, uh, interestingly enough, um, I usually head down to uh, my... Uh, uh, mom's house. Uh, she's in a different city, uh, but I'll head over there to uh, you know do a leaf cleanup for her as well. They've got some big trees uh, that line uh, the front street, and uh, normally um, my brother or me, uh, sometimes my sister, whenever we're there visiting, we'll tackle uh, some of the leaves. My brother and sister, they'll uh, you know rake what they can at times and put it in the city bin and just to help manage, um, because obviously my mom is elderly and all that sort of stuff and she can't, uh, do it. And for the most part, a lot of people on the street are, are very elderly. They're neighbors that, uh, you know, live there that I grew up as a little kid uh, on their street, on that street, of course. Uh, and they're, you know, all elderly now and, uh, have a hard time managing the, the leaves. So for the past few years, I usually end up doing a leaf cleanup for a bunch of uh, the neighbors in the old neighborhood that I grew up in as a kid, uh, and I don't charge anybody uh, for it. I just uh, will do it, and some of them will come out, and they'll um, you know, uh, try to put some money in my pocket or money in my hand and stuff, and they're so grateful um, because a lot of them are on fixed incomes and you know, pensioners and things like that, and they just can't afford to hire uh, people uh, to come and do it. Uh, and so they're out there, like literally some of these uh, old neighbors uh, are like in their like 80s and stuff. And some of them approaching their 90s and they're out there trying to do like leaf cleanups on these like wet leaves, like the completely covered uh, properties, right? Uh, so I always feel bad about that. Uh, and when I go out there, and, uh, you know, I'm doing my, uh, my mom's house and stuff. Then it's always like, uh, you know, you're looking at the, the neighbor's properties. My mom's always kind of like, you know, if you could, if you had time, could you go do, and I'm like already expecting like, yes, I'm going to go and do that one or whatever. And then I just end up doing a bunch of them. Right. So, uh, me and my wife, actually, uh, she was there with me this weekend and, uh, she got right in there and, uh, we, uh, did a whole stretch of, uh, houses all together uh, and uh, completely filled my trailer because uh, a lot of these uh, clients or clients, these uh, uh, houses of these old neighbors, they all have these the, the green waste bins, but they're much smaller in that other city, at least the basic ones that they give out. So like it would be like half a yard and you would fill that bin quite easily. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm not even going to mess with that. I'm just going to take the truck, take the trailer, which I normally don't do, uh, to go all the way out there. Uh, I'll just, you know, take the truck by itself. If I need uh, the truck to take like a lawnmower or something in the back, um, uh, to go out there. But this time I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take, um, uh, I'll take the trailer. I'm going to take all the Crest battery stuff with me this time around, uh, and try it out and with the backpack blower and all that sort of stuff. And just take that. I'm going to take the big charger with me, uh, because it's my mom's house <laughs> mainly. So I can plug it in. It's not like it's a client's house or something like that. I can plug it in and in, in case I need to rotate through batteries or stuff, cause I didn't know what to expect. Um, and, uh, how many leaves, especially after, right after a storm, 
but yeah, it did really well. And we were able to do uh, at least four houses there in a row, filled the trailer completely uh, with leaves, uh, including all the leaves off the street um, and all the leaves from all the yards and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it was really quite efficient. My wife was using the handheld Crest uh, blower, the 850 CFM blower. I was using the backpack blower. And we were just tackling uh, all the leaves uh, using tarps and rakes and stuff and just uh, blowing them into piles and raking them onto the tarps. And then I would carry the tarps and dump them uh, into the trailer uh, and uh, go about it that way. And it actually was very efficient uh, between the two of us uh, doing it. And uh, of course, all of uh, these elderly neighbors were very grateful uh, for us uh, doing it. And, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, very rewarding uh, to be able to to do that, knowing that um, I was saving them a bunch of uh, pain and suffering from doing it themselves, uh, and uh, you know, just kind of uh, uh, doing my good deed, I guess you could say, uh, for the for the day. Uh, then the, it. Uh, uh, got dark pretty quick. So then I was like, okay, well, the dump now is going to be closed. So I'll just leave it for the next day. Uh, the next morning I went out, uh, took the truck and trailer to uh, the city dump. I got to go visit this brand new uh, city dump that they just opened in my city. Uh, it's uh, not officially a dump. It's a tr- uh, transfer station, I guess they call it. So it's sort of the intermer- intermediary area where you can go dump your debris, dump your garbage, dump all that sort of stuff. And then they take that uh, from that location to the farther off, like landfill or wherever the case, uh, wherever it has to go. Uh, Because you can, there's a recycling area, there's uh, an area for like steel um, and things like old propane tanks and batteries and things like that. Everything's kind of separated there. So you can take it all there and then um, they can load that into different vehicles and then they take it to wherever it needs to go. So if it's properly garbage that has to go to a landfill, then that would go to a landfill. If it's green waste, then it goes to wherever they take their green waste and stuff. But it was really neat because it was indoors. It was a brand spanking new uh, and uh, it wasn't busy at all. Normally the the transfer stations and stuff are very busy, uh, but I don't think a lot of people in my city know about this one yet. Um, it, like I said, it's brand new. It was so bright inside. And it, that was the other thing. It was indoors. Uh, so you pull up to the scale, pulled up, they weigh the truck and trailer, then uh, told me to drive ahead up this ramp. So I went up this ramp into this building and just like a big wide open area. And there was uh, uh, different areas for different things. It was like garbage and all that sort of stuff, all the thing. But there was a greenway spot. So he told me to just back up over there. Uh, I went and backed up the trailer, uh, went, dumped all my leaves on the ground there, and then uh, pulled out, and then uh, went back outside, down the ramp, and then you get back on the scale on the opposite side. There's like a building in the middle with two scales on either side, one for the entrance, one for the exit, and then uh, they weigh the truck and trailer on the way out, and then they uh, bill you for... Um, you know, the difference in the weight. And I think I had like um, just under 500 kilograms of uh, wet leaves uh, in the trailer. So it was like $44 or something is what it cost me uh, to dump uh, the leaves uh, from those uh, four houses. So what was interesting though, is as I was pulling out and going uh, leaving, I look and um, I saw that there was actually like the like semi trucks parked underneath the building. So uh and I didn't really pay attention when I was inside, um, but they're like semi-trucks with the boxes, and I guess the tops are open. So the trucks go underneath, and 
the uh, you know public uh, or businesses drive up the ramp and go inside, and as you dump your stuff, then a bulldozer comes, and I guess they can open up the floor, or there's doors or, or areas that they can go, and with the bulldozers, they can push whatever the green waste or whatever stuff, and it just falls down into the truck below that's waiting. Uh, so I thought that's a very neat uh, system that they got set up there. I was wondering why it was like up in the air and suspended sort of thing. It was like, seemed kind of odd. But then as I was leaving, that's where I noticed uh, the trucks and stuff underneath. So I was like, wow, this place is pretty cool. It's very uh, um, uh, modern, very state-of-the-art uh, sort of transfer station. And it was just really nice because it was so bright inside. There's another one that I've gone to for many years uh, in a different part. And it's so dark and dingy in that one. Um where this one was like so well lit. Uh, it was uh, uh, just uh, really nice. So that was uh, my uh, past weekend. Things are going um, very smoothly so far as far as the end of the season here. Uh, like I said, now all that's left for me is probably one last mowing I'm expecting uh, this week for everybody. And then uh, I'm thinking that's probably going to call it uh, after that. And then I just got some uh, some prunings to do, uh, whatever leaf cleanups are left um, for the majority of them uh, once I get them uh, done after this past uh, week's storm. Uh, that should probably be pretty much it. Uh, as I'm recording this, I'm just like looking outside uh, on uh, my security cameras here on the screen beside me and uh, looking at the trees and, you know, all the leaves are pretty much uh, down on all of those. So I think that's pretty, uh, you know, another week or so, um, maybe another week and a half uh, for leaf cleanups and stuff like that uh, will probably be about it. And then uh, I'll be able to... Uh, uh, basically clean up the trailer and then uh, put it away uh, for the winter season and uh, and call uh, call it a wrap for uh, the lawn care season for 2023. But uh, I guess a lot uh, hinges on the weather and the temperatures and stuff. So we'll see uh, how that plays out uh, over the next week. So uh, I'm just going to uh, take a quick break here and then uh, we'll get into this week's episode right after this. So stay tuned. At Exmark, we've poured decades of leading-edge engineering and old-fashioned work ethic into our Laser Z, the pioneering commercial zero-turn rider more landscape pros trust. So now you can experience cut quality, performance, comfort, durability, and reliability beyond your wildest dreams. Stop by your local dealer or visit exmark.com to experience an Exmark Laser Z and the attractive financing offers available now. Cress is leading the transition from gas-powered lawn equipment for professional use with the industry's first truly game-changing innovation in battery-powered OPE. The Cress 8-Minute Cyber System allows Cress-made 60-volt batteries to fully charge in 8 minutes or less. Now, professional landscapers can replace their gas-powered equipment without sacrificing performance, power, or runtime. And with a full line of equipment benchmarked against gas-powered products, landscapers can finally Take charge of their business and make the switch to battery. For more information or to find a dealer near you, visit Cress.com. Cress, we power the professionals. All right, so this week I wanted to talk a little bit about my experience early on in my lawn care business uh, of installing Christmas lights uh as a supplemental service. Now, this is something that I got into 
from when I was with that franchise system, that regional franchiser is something I, you know, I've quoted a lot of times. He would quote uh, Jim Rohn in saying that there are acres of diamonds everywhere. And what he meant by that is that there is a uh, Plenty of work, plenty of opportunity everywhere as long as you're willing to look for it, as well, as long as you're willing to uh, do uh, that work. There's never uh, going to be a shortage of uh, ways to make money, ways uh, to be able to earn an income. Uh, and uh, Christmas lights was one of those things that I found to be very lucrative. And I did uh, Christmas lights uh, on my own. I did them uh, with my brother-in-law together um, for many, many years. Uh, we would tag team and do uh, certain jobs together and, and other jobs we would just tackle on our own, depending on the complexity of uh, the Christmas light job and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I did them for many uh, years, uh, as I say. Now, one of the reasons, or the, I guess the main reason on why I stopped uh, offering Christmas light uh, services was uh, because of knee injuries. Uh, now, this is something that has uh, plagued me for many, many years, um, especially uh, on one of my knees. Both of my knees are pretty bad, but one of them especially is, is bad. Now, I'm super grateful that I'm able to mow lawns uh, still, that I'm able to um, use small mowers, 21-inch mowers, 30-inch mowers, all that sort of stuff, and walk the amount that I walk, and my knees don't give me an issue in that uh sort of sense. And I can even uh, run on like a treadmill and stuff like that. And my knees don't bother me. It's uh, any time where uh, there's any sort of uh, dynamic sort of twisting motion uh, that there's an issue or uh, any time where my feet aren't planted flat, where um uh, for example, uh, if I'm uh, trying to climb up onto something, uh, and you know that something is not like a stable surface. So, for example, um, I've had issues at times where at the beach uh, there's like uh, driftwood logs or something like lying a strewn al along the beach, and you know you go and climb on top of one to like you know, leave the beach, maybe they're blocking the path or whatever the case may be. And I have to kind of get up on one and times like that, where it's like my knee will give out, like it, it can't do that because it's not flat. It's like sort of a round motion. So it's different muscles that are being used up the leg and kind of uh, transitioning up to the knee that uh, flex. And then the other big one is, um, again, any sort of like, uh, sports or, or things like that. Um, and that's part of why the issue arised in the first place, uh, with that really bad knee was, uh, when my, I've talked about how my kids are into soccer and all that sort of stuff. Uh, when they were much younger, my daughter was, uh, you know, when she was probably about 11 or 12, um, she's 22 now, but when she was around that age, uh, you know, she was on a team and at the end of the season, they would have a sort of like fun kind of like, you know, adults versus the kids thing, parents versus the kids thing. So there was a game that I was playing uh, where it was, you know, the parents versus the kids. And 
I was going to get the ball and uh, one of her uh, little teammates came around and was trying to uh, you know get the ball for me and I kind of twisted to kind of shield the ball and that's when I tore or did something to my knee uh it was immediate and I like fell to the ground and uh, after that like it was intense pain like almost blacking out in pain um but you know I went off to the side and sat down and just was kind of you know massaging it and trying to figure out what the heck happened and then it kind of got better I was able to put you know, weight on it and stuff like that and walk a little bit, but I was limping and all that stuff. And it took a while and uh, a week or so I was putting ice and stuff on it and, uh, things, but it, it all kind of stemmed from that injury, uh, that, um, you know, it's very, uh, fragile. I would say my, my knee there. And, uh, I re-injured it a couple of times after that during, uh, certain, activities like I was uh, salmon fishing once on a river and again it's those logs that were strewn about and I was you know trying to get on a log and they're kind of wet and slippery and you kind of you know you you kind of slip or move or whatever and I twisted that same knee again and it was that same intense pain and stuff so whatever I did I must have tore something in that knee and it just you know got re-injured a bunch of times so I've noticed that at work and stuff over the years that it's gotten worse and worse if I'm going up ladders. Now, like I say, I'm thankful because I can mow lawns and stuff and that's not an issue. I can walk back and forth, not an issue. I can even, you know, on a treadmill, as long as I'm going, you know, straight on a treadmill, obviously, you're, you're always running straight. Um, it's not an issue, but the moment you start to try to twist or turn or change directions quickly like you would if you were playing soccer or something like that, that's where um, immediately there'll be an issue. Uh, but ladders are one of those things because I think, you know, it's not, your feet aren't firmly planted, especially on like an extension, uh, extension ladder, which is typically what you'd be using for Christmas lights uh, with the round rungs that you're walking up and your feet are kind of like flexing on there as you're going up and stuff. Uh, and um, it's one of those things where, you know, the one knee, because it's, uh, it doesn't have that strength anymore, the other knee is compensating. Uh, and doing most of the work. And I noticed like even this uh, past weekend when I was doing Christmas lights on my own house, started out strong, but by the end, by the time I was like, you know, getting done, it was, uh, you know, getting sketchy going up the ladder uh, just because my knees were starting to uh, shake and give way and stuff like that. So I try to uh, avoid doing anything on ladders anymore uh, when I'm at work, uh, just because it's, it's not something that I can um, rely on. And, uh, obviously if I hurt myself or hurt my knee, then that would affect, you know, all of the other services as well. So that's sort of the backstory as to why, uh, I don't do Christmas lights anymore. If it wasn't for the ladders, uh, then I would continue to do Christmas lights. It's also why I'm very selective in the types of pruning jobs or hedge trimming or things like that that I take. I don't, you don't see me posting photos on like big hedges and things like that. Uh, because I can't do that stuff anymore. I just can't do stuff. I can do it if I, if I can reach it from the ground, uh, and use, you know, um, an extension, you know, piece on like a, a combi type system, um, type hedge trimmer or stuff like that. But if I have to go up and down the ladder to do the tops and stuff like that, I just can't do that stuff anymore. It just, you know, by the end of the job, I'm done. Especially the more often I have to go up and down a ladder, it's, uh, is where, uh, it's, it's just not worth it for me because again, 
that could uh, put me uh, out for a bunch of other services uh, uh, for a, a long time. Uh, and there's been uh, times whenever he injured it where it has been weeks and even months of uh, trying to uh, recover from that injury with, you know, constantly icing it and all that sort of stuff and having to use crutches and and things like that so it's not something i like to mess with anymore and that's why i don't do christmas lights anymore uh but i wanted to share um what you know i used to do um how i used to offer it because i think obviously some of the stuff is still uh would be of value for a lot of you guys uh, thinking about getting into christmas lights who haven't uh thought about it uh and just thought uh, i'd go through that so some of the services that i used to offer was the installation of christmas lights taking down christmas lights and with the installation, it included uh, the acquisition of those Christmas lights for clients that did not have uh, those uh, Christmas lights as well. Now, when I was doing this, you have to think back. I've been in business uh, 18 years. This is my 18th season. So uh, going way back to that beginning when I started, uh, so you're talking a long time ago, it was generally just installing lights that you would purchase from you know your walmarts your uh home depots things like that there wasn't the uh, availability of sort of bulk christmas lights that you see now um that is specifically made for guys doing installation christmas light installations uh and what i mean by that is you know so i would be buying you know uh, sets of lights in you know boxes like you'd find at those types of stores right so it'd be a string of lights or whatever the case may be and i'd have to go and figure out what type of lights the customer wanted uh we'd have to figure out uh the length that would be you know needed uh to do the job and then go to the store and see what was available uh, for that year what types of lights were being sold the lengths of those strings and all that sort of stuff and then kind of figure out a plan of how are you going to put this all together and kind of do it that way nowadays like I said, you can buy bulk lights on big rolls of lights that you basically cut to size and you literally install the ends and the plugs and everything on those uh, types of lights. So that's generally what I would uh, focus on now. You can still do it the other way. You can still go to your Walmarts and stuff like that and buy you know, lights and strings, you know, 25 footers or whatever the case, however they're sold now, you can still do that, but you're going to uh, get a much more professional result doing it the other way. Uh, one of the other things that I did when I was uh, doing Christmas lights is I always preferred to use, now this is obviously going to be a little bit different nowadays, but when I was doing them, it was just the start of kind of like the uh, LEDs were, you know, uh, just coming out. Uh, we're still very, very rare at times. Um, so for the first many years, it was just using regular glass type bulbs. Um, now, these to me had a huge advantage because the cords on these were flat. They were just two two wires in a flat cord. There was also the little mini lights and stuff that came with a sort of like a braided twisted cord. Uh, I didn't like installing those. I would obviously do it for people that that's what they wanted. Um, but I'd always try to steer them to the glass bulbs. And I do believe now that uh, a lot of these like bulk bulbs and uh, or bulk Christmas lights and stuff that you can buy come with that older style, like that two string uh, type electrical cord. 
uh, versus like the braided or twisted uh, style. Uh, and it, there was a couple of advantages, obviously, to this with the, like the little mini lights and the kind of twisted strings. And you see it a lot of times now as well, uh, where if one light goes out, then the whole string is out and you're wasting a whole bunch of time messing with that. The other thing was uh, with that sort of braided type of Christmas light uh, wire, it was very difficult to get a, well, at least for me, a a clean looking result uh, because you could be putting those and lights would have a mind of their own. Some of them would be pointing up, some of them would be pointing down. It was very difficult to get them uh, to look as crisp and clean as the other style, the glass bulb style uh, light. And uh, 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 coincidentally, you can actually buy now uh, replacement bulbs in LEDs for those older style or that traditional style of Christmas light string, the kind that uses the regular gas bulb that would uh, uh, screw into each of uh, the bulbs. And, And that would be my style, my preference to do. And again, like I say, because that cord is like a uh, like a basic indoor type extension cord, uh, that you would see type material where it's two strings or, or two, uh, wires that are flat together. And the nice thing about this is that it allows you to put them and install them with the bulbs pointing all in the same direction. So you can have them all, you know, pointed down or pointed up or whatever your preference is or pointed out, uh, regardless of what it is, they all point in the same direction and it looks so clean it just looks so nice when they're all done and they're all spaced out all nicely and the advantage now is when you're buying those bulk lights is that you can cut them to the length of the actual eve of the house or whatever that you're you know whatever section that you're doing in the old days when we were doing it it was like you might have a longer string for one section of house and you'd have to kind of plan it out and then manage all this extra uh, cord at the end. And, you know, we would basically kind of like just tie it all up and and take the bulbs out or loosen the bulbs so that they wouldn't be lit in that spot that wasn't needed and just have sort of the eve and, and that sort of uh, uh, part uh, put up. So lots of different options there. And again, you know, clients would tell, um, you know, the first year if we were uh, – uh, doing Christmas lights for the first time, it all would depend on, you know, does the client have lights? Do they not have lights? Back then, it was one of those um, types of things. They, some clients would have uh, existing Christmas lights, and you'd have to sort them out and figure out what the heck, uh, you know, how they were put away. Do they work and stuff? It was a lot of extra little work and stuff. I think now, if I were to do it again, I would focus solely on um, providing those Christmas lights. Uh, doing those bulk Christmas lights where uh, everything's being cut um, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of like the one that's designing uh, the, the the look of the Christmas lights for that house uh, because then you're not wasting a whole bunch of time. You're not messing with, um, you know, figuring out old strings of lights and whether they have problems or not because, of course, you can go and, and put them out and there's lots of times where you go and you, you know, a string of light looks like it's working, but it might be temperamental or something like that. And then the next thing you know, you get it all up and it's all working and then you leave. And then, you know, a week later, whatever the customer's calling you back, cause you know, a string of lights up on the roof is not working again. Now you got to go back and figure out what the heck uh, is going on and sort of stuff. Right. So it's one of those things that I'd almost try to avoid. Um, 
or seriously think about avoiding installing pre-existing Christmas lights that people have. It all depends on the situation and you, you know, have a look at them and you can see if they're working and stuff, or maybe set up a policy that, Hey, if, you know, something goes wrong or whatever, because I'm not supplying these lights, I can't really, you know, warranty them or whatever the case may be. If, you know, if they're working when I leave and then come back and they're not working, I'm going to have to charge you again to go up there and figure out what's going on. So I think I would almost plan to, uh, focus on new installations, doing new lights uh, where you're supplying the lights and all that sort of stuff, because then you can get into a rhythm uh, of how the lights work. Uh, You're going to be a lot more efficient in being able to install those types of lights. It looks cleaner, looks way more presentable, that sort of stuff. There's also, you know, you could do hybrids of both and kind of uh, uh, different styles, make it work. If, you know, if customers are just uh, using those other types of lights for like maybe trees and shrubs and stuff like that, but then the main house lights are ones that you're providing, uh, that could be a a thing as well. So you got to really basically kind of um, use your own discretion, kind of plan it out, go out there, get some experience, try hanging them and all that sort of stuff. Because again, with the different types of lights, um, there's different ways to hang the lights. There's different methods and, and it depends on the types of houses that you're doing. If you're doing houses that are all just like vinyl siding and stuff, the clips and things that you would need might be different from houses that are like older houses that might be like wood siding or houses that are brick uh, or stucco or whatever the case may be, right? So if you can get into sort of a rhythm for the types of neighborhoods that you're doing, um, those types of things, then you can, it becomes a lot more efficient. Uh, so some of the services, like I said, uh, that I used to offer was the installation of the Christmas lights, uh, also taking down Christmas lights at the end of the season, and then the acquisition or, you know, being able to go out there and, and pick up whatever was needed to do that particular job. Um, so some of the tools needed, I think the number one tool that you're going to need uh, that you may uh, want to, especially if you're a lawn care business right now, that you want to check before you do anything else is your insurance to make sure that your liability insurance will cover you uh, for doing Christmas lights. Um, you know, when you're getting insurance and all that sort of stuff, insurance is usually sold by different classifications for different types of jobs because different um, services uh, would have different levels of liability. So you want to make sure that. Um, you know, you're covered for that. That's why it's so important for doing things like uh, snow removal and uh, that sort of stuff as well, uh, where you might think, okay, well, it's, it's a landscaping business. It's covered where it's, well, it's not uh, because uh, snow removal is much higher liability, uh, much more probability that somebody sues somebody uh, if uh, somebody gets injured uh, and then that comes back to you because you're the one that's maintaining that. Well, Christmas lights are kind of the same thing, obviously not the same amount of liability, but it's a different um a different service classification than what you would think. Uh, obviously, lawn mowing and, and edging and, and you know hedge trimming and stuff is. Uh, so you want to make sure number one that um, you know you're dealing with electrical stuff. You're especially if you're doing like the bulk lights and that sort of stuff as well. Uh, remember, these are lights coming in on strings. You're cutting them. You're installing the ends and stuff. So you know electrical uh, connectors, things like that. 
it's pretty straightforward, uh, but you also want to make sure that you're covered because, uh, you know, there is the potential risk of fire there, uh, right? If your electricity and your wires short out or something is not done properly, uh, then you want to make sure. Now, I think it's pretty safe to do, um, you know, there's some, you know, obviously some common sense and stuff. There's a ton of information out there on how to do it. Uh, but uh, you want to make sure you're not cutting any corners or doing anything uh, that isn't uh, sort of the recommended best practices for that uh, particular, uh, you know, type of thing. Again, if that sort of scares you, then maybe you want to stick to pre-bought uh, light strings that, uh, you know, aren't maybe as nice because of, uh, you know, coming in random lengths that you kind of got a mishmash together and maybe have extra at the end that you tie up into bundles or whatever the case may be. Uh, but that's, you know, something to think about uh, at any rate uh, when you're thinking about uh, Christmas lights. So insurance is number one. Number two, obviously, you're going to need ladders, both uh, extension ladders. You're going to need uh, normal, um, you know, like eight foot and 12 foot um, step type ladders. You want to make sure you have that sort of stuff out there. Uh, you're going to need a lots of uh, other supplies like zip ties, uh, clips of different sorts for whatever types of house. Now, you might not need a whole um, slew of different styles of clips if um, you're servicing particular neighborhoods only that are all the same style house. Then you might be able to find a particular clip that you like. There's so many different ones available for all different sorts of things, but You'll be able to find whatever kind of clip that you like and then just focus in on using that type of clip uh, and then you can stock up on those. Uh, electrical tape uh, is always good to have. I like to, uh, if I'm using uh, pre-bought strands of lights uh, where you know uh, you plug them into each other, I would always put some tape around that just to keep them um not so much worried about uh, them being waterproof because of course uh, where the bulbs screw into each of the light sockets is open uh, and that sort of stuff. It was more just to keep them uh, from coming apart uh, and that sort of thing uh, in like wind or things like that, just to, uh, just to keep them secure. So you're not having to, you know, one less thing to worry about. It's a couple, you know, a couple inches of, of tape around uh, just to hold the, you know, the plugs together and that sort of stuff. It was just easy, easy way to do it. Uh, insulated staplers uh, are also good as well, uh, or I should say a stapler for insulated staples. Uh, so these are special staples made specifically for electrical wire. Uh, they have a basically just an oversized staple that has a plastic clip built into it. Uh, and these load into a uh, sort of a industrial or construction type stapler uh, that you would, you know, think of, uh, you know, Arrow or whatever the case may be, whatever the brand is uh, that you'd see in the like tool department at uh, Home Depot, for example. But uh, it uses electrical, insulated electrical staples. It makes it so easy to put Christmas lights up around wood trim and that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, in my neighborhood, um, a lot of the houses have vinyl siding and stuff, but then they'll also have uh, gutters and things like that. And around all the windows and um, openings, whether it's like garages and things like that, is you know, uh, cedar trim. So it was so easy to go and be able to. Um, staple strings of lights uh, around uh, on, on the trims and things like that uh, just makes it super easy using uh, the insulated staples. You don't have to worry about uh, 
the stapler overshooting and cutting through the electrical wire. That plastic little clip that's built into it uh, prevents that and protects the, the actual electrical wire from shorting out through the staple or anything like that. So you want to make sure you're using, um, if, you, if you're going to go the route of using staples, to not be using just regular metal staples because those will cut through the wire. And then, of course, you know, you have the potential of shorting out there the two wires if the staple going across it is uh, touching both sides. Uh, so you want to avoid that. Use insulated staples, well worth it. Uh, cordless drill is something you might need if you're going to use some clips. Uh, uh, I've seen, uh, especially like around areas like windows and garage doors and stuff, I've seen a lot of clips where um, it's kind of a little contraption that you screw in. It stays there permanently and uh, the strings kind of uh, clip through uh, um, on the the clips that way. Uh, so with something like that, they are uh, attached with a screw right in the center. Uh, and a lot of times I've seen where because they might be white or whatever and kind of clash and look kind of tacky um, the first year when you install them. But um, a lot of people, when they paint their wood trim and stuff, will just paint right over them to kind of blend them in. I've seen that and then it looks a lot better. Uh, but that's sort of like a permanent type of a clip uh, if you're that's your only option. Like I say, for me, I always preferred the, the staples when it came to that because it was so easy to put on um, with those insulated staples and super easy to take off as well. When it came to pulling off, you could literally pull one side of the string of lights and if you pulled just hard enough at a certain angle, it would pop all the staples out at the same time uh, as the whole string of light would come down and uh, it was super easy uh, to be able to, to do it that way. So uh, you know, there's that, uh, side cutters for, uh, cutting your zip ties, uh, possibly cutting your, uh, light strings, um, morettes, uh, electrical morettes. Those are those little, uh, plastic insulated, um, cable ends that you'll see commonly in home construction when you like open up a, um, you know, your light switch or things like that. And you, go to do some home wiring there'll be the way they connect electrical wires together putting two wires together and then using the little plastic uh, almost looks like um one of those um what are they called uh, uh like a, a it's not a bobbin it's um i forget the name of the thing just uh, off the top of my head at any rate when you're like in a sewing kit uh, the little uh, little cap that you would put over your finger to prevent you from poking your finger uh, with the needle. Uh, that thing. It kind of looks like that uh, out of plastic, with uh, but in, in the inside it has a little uh, metal um, twisted uh, piece that when you put the wires in and you twist it, it's kind of tapered. And uh, it will you can turn it until it gets super tight and then it'll actually stop. It actually twists the wires together while it's in there. They're called uh, electrical morettes. Uh, so something you can do there, um, even if you're using like the pre-bought ones, if you've got some extra wire at the end, you can always clip the end there, put some morettes on the end, and then some electrical tape. Uh, not moretting the two ends together, but moretting them separately so that they don't touch. Uh, and then putting some electrical tape just to kind of uh, terminate that end uh, is uh, one of the things you can do. Uh, another thing that you might want to be able to set up for people is like smart plugs is very uh, popular now for people to be able to uh, turn on and off their Christmas lights using their smartphones, asking, um, you know, whatever their uh, uh, preferred uh, uh, 
assistant, a phone assistant is, um, and uh, telling them uh, to trigger, you know, whatever the phone assistant is, say the name and then say, hey, turn on the whatever lights and then have, uh, you know, the outside lights come on, all that, being able to program the lights, all that sort of stuff for so many. Uh, one of the brands that I would recommend if to, to look into on Amazon is called Miros, uh, M-E-R-O-S-S. Uh, they make fantastic, uh, Apple home kit, um, capable smart plugs as well as non, uh, home kit ones for, uh, Google and Android and all those other devices. The home kit ones will work for all of them. Uh, but they do have ones that are non home kit, uh, because there's also always, uh, that little like Apple tax to be able to, uh, be able to be iOS certified and to use, um, that. So the, the home kit ones are always a little bit more expensive, but if you don't need the home kit integration, if they're not like Apple users, then you can buy the cheaper, same same item but non home kit compatible version will be a bit cheaper and then uh, if you need the apple version then it's a few bucks more um for the actual uh, ha- apple version but they are uh, rock solid that brand whatever i have ever bought with that brand has always been fantastic in terms of uh, home kit uh, apple accessories and that sort of stuff always works um just very very solid so uh, and super easy to set up uh, to do that. Um, like I say, I just did mine today. I brought it out. I had to reset it because I hadn't used it uh, in a year uh, for that um, that HomeKit accessory. Uh, so I just reset it, reinstalled it, and it was like you know thirty seconds, and it's all working again and showing up on my uh, my home screen to be able to turn on and off the lights and all that sort of stuff very very easily off my phone, uh, being able to program them however I need. Uh, some of the other things that you might need, depending on the job, depending on how brave you get, is uh, a scissor lift. You may have to rent for some jobs or one of those extending buckets uh, that you see those kind of like man lifts that you uh, see with the four wheels, the big kind of vehicle part at the bottom and then the big extending arm with the bucket uh, to get into certain areas. There's only been a couple of jobs in my history where something like that would have been um, a possibility. I never uh, myself ever rented one, uh, but I know plenty of people who have uh, rented those for certain jobs. Um, but yeah, definitely a much safer option than what I was doing. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, and that was, uh, I remember on a couple of, a particular couple jobs we did with uh, me and my brother-in-law, we did a, a couple houses where they were just massive houses and our regular 20 foot extension ladders would not reach, uh, the top. So we had to go and rent, uh, extension ladders. We had to rent, I think they were 32 foot extension ladders, uh, to be able to get to that third level, just because that's where the roof line was. And, um, as you can imagine, a 30 foot extension ladder is, you know, pretty big and it was heavy, very hard to maneuver, but it was also a pain to have to go up and down, you know, that length to, uh, basically put two or three feet of lights up and then have to come all the way down and do that. So what we ended up doing, this is something I would not recommend, uh, but between the two ladders, my brother-in-law, who is a lot uh, uh, more comfortable around heights and stuff, he would go to the top, start hanging the lights, and I would have a second extension ladder, and I would just put it beside him, and he would basically go from one ladder uh, and then step onto the next ladder and continue 
hanging lights without having to come down. And then I would go to that first ladder and kind of leapfrog around him uh, and then put that next ladder beside him again in whatever direction we were going. And we would do this through the whole house uh, going around. And so he would essentially just climb up the ladder once and he would stay up there and just be stepping onto the next ladder from one ladder over to the next one. Pretty sketchy. I wouldn't uh, uh, recommend it, uh, but you know, it's what we did in the day. And uh, like I said, I wouldn't be doing it now uh, being older and wiser Obviously, you know, talking about insurance and things like that wouldn't fly if uh, an injury happened because of uh, doing something like that. Um, it's just not worth the risks, not worth uh, the potential uh, injuries and stuff like that. So I, you know, absolutely do not recommend that. In fact, I probably would not even recommend renting a ladder um, higher than you know, 20 foot, if you have a standard like 20 foot extension ladder, uh, that would be sort of like the limit of a height, you know, being able to do like a second story house um, would be my limit. Uh, anything over that would require um, using something like a man lift or something like that, one of those, uh, you know, scissor lifts or something like that. But of course, that's not always a scissor lift is a little bit more uh, difficult because you might not be able to get every area with that. Those other types of lifts, those extending ones, um, you know, can get into a little bit more spaces and stuff. But of course, this is something that you're getting into extreme Christmas light installations here, right? Uh, because not only does the customer going to pay you for your time, pay for the lights and all that sort of stuff, they have to be able to uh, pay for the rental of that machine and the time associated, associated with uh, arranging that and all that sort of stuff. So you're talking, uh, getting to some very high end Christmas light installations. If you're getting into that, if you guys are just starting out, I would of course avoid all that and just stick to the basics, stick with, uh, your basic, like single story, two story type, um, Christmas light jobs and just doing sort of the basics with an extension ladder, uh, you know, using clips and all that sort of stuff, just doing sort of the basics that way, get your dip your toes in, see what it's like, you can go from there, grow from there and all that sort of stuff. Now, in terms of pricing, I'm going to talk about what I used to charge. But again, this is what I used to charge. This is many years ago. So pricing could be completely different. Now, um, I would imagine it would have to be completely different now with the cost of everything. Uh, but essentially what I was doing was I was charging by the foot. Uh, and for me, it was pretty easy because again, we weren't, uh, doing like made to order lights. It wasn't, you know, custom lights. It was just using pre-bought light strings. So it was easy to figure out. Like if a light string was, um, you know, 25, uh, feet, then it'd be 25 bucks if it was going on, uh, the lower level. Uh, so lower level means, you know, one story, uh, using, you know, like an eight foot extension ladder at the most, uh, to get up and just hang them off a gutter or something like that. Just a very basic thing. Um, you can of course have a minimum charge, uh, which I would do. I would have an absolute minimum charge if you're going to do Christmas lights, um, and, uh, you know, figure that in, but then to kind of give you a rough idea, you know, using sort of by the length, by the foot. So it was, you know, kind of going by that, but absolutely have a minimum. Cause if obviously if somebody has like a 25 foot uh, string lights and that's all they want put up, it's, you know, may or may not be worth your time to, you know, charge a dollar a foot to do that for 25 bucks, right? It's, 
if you're already there and you're doing other things and it's a good client, then, you know, maybe you want to, but even then I wouldn't, the moment ladders come out, there's going to be a premium. Uh, but remember, this is like, I'm talking like 18 years ago, uh, when I started. Uh, so that's why these prices are, are the prices that I was, uh, you know, talking about when it came to second story, I remember we started at like $2 per foot if it was a second story, because of course now we're going up higher, 18 foot, ex- you know, extension ladder and all that sort of stuff. I remember that quickly going to 250 to $3 a foot, uh, after, you know, the first and second season of doing them. Cause it was just like, yeah, this is like, you know, even with an 18 foot extension ladder, this is getting much, you know, more dangerous. Obviously, um, what are the chances of you falling off a ladder if you don't go up a ladder? zero. What are the chances of you going, falling off a ladder if you go up a ladder once? You know, could be slim. What are the chances of you falling off a ladder if you're going up a ladder multiple times a day, every day, you know, you start to increase those chances, right? That liability, the getting tired, the all that sort of stuff going up and down. That's where mistakes are going to happen when you start getting too comfortable and all that sort of stuff. So I started to I quickly start to really increase the prices, um, even back then, uh, for anything that was going to involve having to go up the second story because, um, it was just more dangerous. And, and the, you know, the minute a second story installation happened, it would also mean that, okay, now we're going to have to have two people. Right now, me and my brother-in-law are going to have to uh, tag team together to do this because now it's too dangerous to go um, even on a second story to go up the extension ladder without somebody around uh, to at least help secure the ladder or hold the ladder or whatever the case may be. Just one of those things. A lot of times you're doing these types of jobs uh, and nobody's home, nobody's around. You may have prearranged that job, whatever the case may be. And, you know, if something happens... People, you know, people might not know where you are and you might be, get yourself into a bit of a pickle if you fall off a ladder, hurt yourself and you can't get help. Uh, so having two people there is, I would say, uh, you know, one of those things that you really want to consider if you're having to go up, uh, you know, extension ladders, especially when you're going to properties you don't know. Uh, even, you know, when I think about my own property, doing my own house now. Um, I need two different types of ladders to get, um, to do my Christmas lights. One of the first things I tackle in my own house is uh, an extension ladder to get to the, the roof of my first story. Now my, my second story on my particular house design is inset from the first story. So I just need to get uh, up onto the roof of my first story, and then I can walk along the roof and do my entire second story walking on my uh, first story roof. Um, but then when I get to do my first story, it's actually much more difficult than doing the second story on uh, my particular house. And I need a combination of that extension ladder for some areas where there's gardens and stuff around where I can't get... Um, a normal like step ladder in the way to reach. So I have to use the extension ladder, uh, you know, spanning over the gardens and stuff like that to areas where I, then I need the extension ladder. There's, um, different spots where my driveway, um, is angled and stuff. And then the extension or sorry, the uh, step ladder doesn't sit properly and it's a bit sketchy. Uh, so, you know, when you, this is on my home property where I've done this multiple times, uh, through the, you know, 
12 or 13 years or so that I've lived at this particular house, I've gotten to know, obviously, the property very well. And there's still like things that I know for this particular property. Now you do it on customer properties and you're doing it just, you know, once in a while here and there and putting ladders up and stuff. It can become sketchy when you don't see that little divot in the ground or whatever the case may be, right? So these are all things where anytime you start going up higher and higher, uh, you start to need to have that other person to basically kind of watch your back and make sure uh, you're not... Um, you know, going to get hurt, uh, or be there in case something does happen. Uh, now when it came to taking down Christmas lights at the end of the season, so like, uh, you know, the first week of January after new year's and all those celebrations are done, then generally, uh, generally we would start going back around for the customers that want it. There would be the occasional ones that one I was telling you about where, um, you know, my, brother-in-law was basically leapfrogging ladders and stuff that was a permanent installation that was like a one-time here we're going we're putting it up and these lights are staying up uh, all year long uh but for other ones uh and in those cases when it's like permanent lights they're usually like always just clear uh lights that just look nice and classy all year long sort of thing if they want to use them for like a summer barbecue or something like that it looks equally as nice as you know at christmas um but uh for the majority of them, they would ha need uh, to be taken down. So what I would do generally is charge half the price of whatever it cost for the installation would be to remove them because it was a lot faster to remove them. Like I said, in a lot of areas, a lot of the ones I was doing, if I was using those insulated staples, if I could pull it just right, tug it in a certain direction, it would not only pop all the lights off, but it would pop all the staples off at the same time. And I wouldn't even have to go back and have to pull the staples out individually. There'd be occasionally one or two little staples that would would be a, a little bit of a annoyance. But um, for the most part, you could get them all done like that very simply. Um, you know, if you get into clips and things like that, where you got to go up and individually unclip each light and all that sort of stuff. Um it can be a little bit trickier. Some of those clips are uh, a bit of a pain if you're using them on gutters and vinyl siding and stuff like that. Um, I prefer to use, again, um, you know, with the lights that I'm using on my own house um, for gutters and stuff like that, the little clip that's built into it that just slides on the gutter. I'm very gentle with that clip, uh, putting it on to make sure that they don't break. Uh, but of course, as they get older, they start to get brittle. But, you know, they slip on and off very easily and it makes the the whole job a lot quicker. So, you know, uh, doing that. But uh, one of the tips I would say is, as well, uh, if you're going to be doing this is to take photos of the house, just take a photo of the front of the house that you're putting the lights on and then use your, um, you know, built-in software on your phone, your markup software uh, to be able to uh, draw directly on the photo and maybe color code, just draw lines uh, along the gutters, maybe a blue line for one section, a red line, whatever the case may be with a corresponding number. Um, I use codes uh, with my lights, uh, when I'm putting them, uh, putting them away. So I s always start on the left uh, side of the house. Uh, and on the top, I label all my lights, um, uh, T 
one, so top one, uh, and that's the first string that goes up on the left side. The string that connects to that is T2. The one that connects to that is T3, and so on and so forth, uh, so that uh, I have that whole top done. And then uh, for that first level, it's B1, so bottom one. So top one and bottom one, right? So same thing, bottom one starts on the left and goes along there. And I sort of, uh, you know, have a map made out of, uh, of my house, that same sort of thing. I've seen a lot of guys, professional guys doing this as well, where they take that photo, they have it there because you can reference back to it the following year of having that photo with that sort of color-coded key there uh, with your notes on which ones, and then label the lights as you take them down so you know exactly uh, where they go. For labeling, I've done lots of things over the years. I've used just masking tape and gone around so that I could write on the masking top, uh, top one, top two, top three, that sort of thing. Uh, I found that a bit of a pain sometimes, especially here, um, like I said, it's always rainy, it's always wet. So sometimes, you know, your hands are wet and stuff like that. When you're taking them down, the lights are wet. It doesn't quite write. Um, it's cold in January. Uh, it's difficult to get the tape unraveled. It's always breaking. Uh, so, you know, there's been some things over the years I've tried like that. I've tried printing out labels, uh, but then again, because of the cold, they don't stick properly and stuff like that. What I came across last year that I did that actually worked fantastically is I just took Coroplast, a piece of Coroplast. This is that corrugated plastic that you see yard signs and stuff made out of. Um, I just cut strips of that, a little like one inch by like three inches long strips and literally drill the hole through the end of each of them to make a little tag and then use the Sharpie. So I had white Coroplast, made these little tags, drilled the hole and then took a Sharpie and just wrote top one, top two, top three, top four. And, um, bottom one, bottom two, bottom three, bottom four. And then as I take the lights off, I pull out the corresponding tag and I just use a zip tie that goes through, um, the loop of lights. So each string is, you know, uh, tied together it goes through the little lay uh tag that i made out of coroplast and done it's labeled it's there it's not coming off it's not um you know uh, washing off it's not um falling off in the cold and that sort of stuff because it's zip tied and then it goes away in the tote and it's ready for next year super simple to pull out and have those i would absolutely do that if you're doing uh, you know, this professionally, and you're going to be going back to the house, it's going to save you so much time and effort um, the following year to be able to put those lights up. If you have, you know, a photo showing where you started, top one, top two, top three, top four, bottom one, bottom two, bottom three, bottom four, and have those tags made uh, when you put the lights away to go on the corresponding strings or sections or however you're doing it, and just have that all uh, sort of set out. Uh, very simple and easy to refer back to. You can, uh, you know, make a special folder in your uh, phone album called Christmas Lights. And every time, you know, you do that, you add that photo to that album so that you can quickly refer back uh, to those, uh, you know, client uh, um, photos and stuff like that and see sort of that map that you laid out of where those lights go. So definitely take photos and map them out and then uh, label your strings to match the map. Uh, how would I advertise? Um, definitely, you know, you're a lawn care business. First and foremost, you've got an existing uh, client base. Those would be my first um, line of attack in terms of, uh, um, you know, trying to uh, drum up business for uh, uh, doing Christmas lights as I would offer it to all of my uh, existing clients first. 
From there, uh, those chloroplast signs I was talking about, uh, getting cheap chloroplast signs made um, that you can put around town. I'd also put them on the yards of the lawns that you are putting Christmas lights on. I would, you know, make sure this is good with your client to be able to put, you know, Christmas lights um, installation by your company name, plant that in the garden bed of the, the yard and have that on display uh, while, um, you know, you got uh, those Christmas lights up, maybe even get a little, um, you know, a little steak light um, that you can make part of the display pointed, uh, you know, like a one of those like cheap uh, tree lights and stuff that you see, or that they stake into the ground and, you know, plug in, um, have that kind of pointed at your sign. So, so it's part of the display at night, uh, showing, you know, light installation by company name, use those same uh, signs to go around town, um, put them around wherever you can, um, you know, on boulevards and things like that uh, is generally where I see people putting signs up for different advertisements and stuff like that. Um, I would, uh, you know, depending on your tolerance or what you want to do. Uh, I remember for different businesses and stuff using those, I use those chloroplast signs for everything. Um, I would take stacks of chloroplast signs uh, back in the day and I would go out at night, like after midnight, drive around town uh, when it was quiet uh, with my truck. I'd have a a extension ladder in the back of my truck or um, just an eight foot, um, uh, eight or 10 foot, uh, regular like type step ladder, just in the back of the truck with a canopy window open, uh, a stack of signs, a drill and some, uh, screws. And I would drive around to like all like the electrical, like telephone poles and stuff like that. And, you know, there's no traffic around, there's nobody around, uh, after midnight and stuff like that, I would just drive, pull over, get out, grab the ladder out of the back, prop it up against the telephone pole, climb up to the top, drill a sign right into the telephone pole just so it was high enough where you know people walking by couldn't reach to pull it down and then it would be on display there for like you know traffic in the morning and all that sort of stuff and i would drive around town doing that sort of thing uh after hours and uh, literally like that's <laughs> you know what i did for many years the city would come around every few um you know a month or so and uh, take the signs down uh but I would just go back. They wouldn't fine you or anything for it, at least not where I was. They wouldn't. They would just remove them and throw them out. Uh, so I would just then go back and uh, hang them up again uh, in different areas, uh, different telephone poles, different things like that. But that's kind of like following sort of that guerrilla marketing handbook. Uh, but that's uh, some of the things I would do. Uh, these days, you've got the advantage of Facebook groups uh, for targeting different areas. You could do targeted ads for Facebook and Instagram and all that sort of stuff to try to, you know, exactly pinpoint those clients in those neighborhoods that you want. Uh, such powerful tools. I would, of course, advertise across your social media. If you have um, Instagram and uh, Facebook and all that sort of stuff for your own uh, business, I would, of course, post photos of that uh, and, um, do that, you know, do a YouTube video, whatever the case may be, put that on there so that you can link that to your website and all that sort of stuff so that people searching for that in your area, it's going to come across uh, and just, uh, you know, uh, bring you that. The thing is with Christmas lights, it's such a short window um, to get up because people want, obviously, the lights on display. Um 
for you know the month of December at least I would say so this is sort of like the high time right now to get them out there get going with that um, and get, you'll get some throughout December even you know halfway through December stuff but it'll start to dwindle off the closer you get to to Christmas because then it becomes not really worth it anymore uh, but so this is sort of like the high time right now the busiest time uh, getting into Christmas lights and getting all that sort of done uh, and then the other uh, thing that you could do. And I'll leave you guys with this as well, uh, is uh, when I was with the franchise system with the trailer that I have, uh, one of the things they, they had, and I never did uh, actually install this on my trailer after I got it redone, I painted, but um, they would have a frame. It's kind of like a photo frame that was on the back uh, trailer ramp door. And again, with Coraplast signs, um, this was like a two foot by... Um, uh, maybe two and a half foot or three foot. It was like a rectangular sign. Uh, and they had different ones that they would give us. So there would be like maybe six or seven or eight different core plus signs for different services. And basically this frame would get installed on your back, you know, uh, ramp door or barn door, whatever the case of your trailer is. And you could easily slide in and slide out a different sign. Uh, and it let you change signs for whatever the season. So if it was power raking season, you'd put the power raking sign to say, hey, book your free estimates, power raking, blah, 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 right? If it was aerations, throw your aeration sign in the back. Hey, it's aeration time, that sort of thing. Uh, Christmas light time. Hey, we're going to Christmas lights. There's a thing, gutter cleaning, whatever the case, whatever you wanted to think, um, you could sort of spotlight a particular service on your trailer on the back of your uh, trailer door with sort of this uh, uh, frame that you could change out those Coraplast signs, just pull them out and pop the next one in or whatever the case may be and have that uh, on the back. So that's another option uh, that you could do is have some sort of a, um, you know, a frame on the back of your trailer with core plus signs that you can swap in and out and uh, uh, you know have uh, different services spotlighted uh, throughout the season uh, but uh, yeah that about uh, wraps up all of the notes I made about uh, you know how I used to handle Christmas lights um, I know there's a lot of guys online now that do a Christmas lights um, and uh, do them uh, with like the, the bulk lights that I was talking about um, and uh, would uh, and a lot of guys getting into it and stuff. So lots of uh, resources and references out there that you guys can uh, uh, look into, search uh, YouTube, of course, and see uh, what uh, sort of is the, the latest uh, in uh, Christmas lights and, and what guys are doing. But um, hopefully that uh, gives you guys a bit of a... a a foundation uh, to start on uh, based on my own experience. Like I said, I did it for many years at uh, Christmas lights and I would probably still be doing it uh, today. Uh, I enjoyed uh, doing the Christmas lights um, it was always, you know, very rewarding to uh, go out there and, and, and uh, do some Christmas lights. And it was uh, a nice uh, way to extend uh, the income and stuff. The, the only uh, bad part about doing Christmas lights for me that I didn't enjoy um, was uh, the cold <laughs> at the time, right? Because you're, it's December and stuff. You're out there uh, November, December, putting Christmas lights out. It starts to get uh, frosty and cold and, you know, handling ladders and things like that uh, was always a, a bit uh, of an issue. But uh, other than that, uh, it was uh, enjoyable to do and to see sort of that end result of uh, what it looked like at the end and uh, being able to drive by at night and see the houses that you uh, put the lights up on and stuff like that uh, was always uh, 
a fun and a nice service to uh, offer to clients. But uh, hopefully that, uh, like I said, gives you guys a good uh, foundation, a good primer uh, to get in there and uh, offer uh, some Christmas lights. But again, um, you know, I'm coming from, you know, 18, 17, 16, 15 uh, years ago, probably the last Christmas lights I put up are probably at least 12 years ago uh, in terms of for clients um, where, um, you know, for probably the last 12 years, I've only only ever done my own house and my parents' house and stuff like that. But, you know, in terms of uh, clients and things like that, um, you know, uh, reaching back a bit. So, uh, I think the, uh, the foundations of, uh, the advice and stuff are very solid. Uh, but obviously things have changed so many more options out there, led lights, uh, the bulk lights and all that sort of stuff that you want to investigate and check out. But, um, don't be afraid to start out with just the basics with just, you know, pre, um, uh, stringed lights and stuff you're buying from your local big box store and stuff like that if you just want to dip your toes into it uh you don't want to maybe make the investment in buying bulk lights and stuff for like one client or two clients or whatever the case may be um it's all up to you right get in there try it out you know even though I say don't bother, um, you know, doing Christmas lights that the customers, you know, is providing themselves because you're going to mess around with trying to make them work and figure them out and all that sort of stuff. Also, don't let that hold you back, right? Go out there if that's the only option. Um, if that's, uh, you know, they don't want to buy new lights, they don't want thing, they want you to uh, figure that out. If you're okay with that, you're learning. Get in there, try it out, and see if it's something that's uh, worth doing for you and your business. So uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now. <laughs>